I'm John Moe. Coming up on this edition of Home Dunk, we're going to talk to a real live pro athlete, a guy who bounces balls up and down and everything. Matt Bonner of the San Antonio Spurs joins us, plus the NBA Tournament of Names. Here we go. I hit a home dunk. I wish that you would show up. I played over my head, everything was off the charts. I jumped out the gymnasium and knocked it out the park. Did a handstand and hit a grand slam It was a great day for the fans Man, I got three sacks and broke three bats I gave the crowd money plus free snacks I did a hat trick and a backflip It's on ESPN Classic And you weren't there and it hurt me To watch them retire my jersey I hit a home dunk Thank you, Open Mike Eagle. That's Open Mike Eagle doing our theme song there. He also hosts the Secret Skin podcast on the Infinite Guest Podcast Network, of which Home Dunk, the thing you are listening at now, is a member. So is Wits, the other show that I host. They keep me busy around here. You can find all that at infiniteguest.org. Uh, so we, uh, we've got Matt Bonner coming up from the Spurs. We've got the tournament of names, a second round. It's very exciting. Um, but first let's talk about good guys and bad guys. Well, there are good guys and there are bad guys. And there are crooks and criminals. Thank you, Camper Van Beethoven. So uh, a, a few items, a bunch of items caught my my eye from uh, some very recent events. And I, I think it's pretty interesting how one can perceive the world of sports through the eyes of good guys and bad guys. And it can affect how one views the results that occur. So Tuesday night, Lakers versus Grizzlies and Kobe Bryant becomes the shot missingest NBA player of all time. 13,418 career missed field goals. So that's, uh, he's failed more than anybody else. And this just made me instantly happy because Kobe Bryant is not a good guy. He's a bad guy. Um, Leaving aside even all the legal troubles, the reason why the LA Lakers are in the pits, why one of the most storied franchises in in the NBA, one of the most championship winning franchises in the NBA sucks real bad. Evidently word of mouth is it's because Kobe's a jerk. Nobody wants to play with Kobe and Kobe's not so good anymore. I mean, he's been in the league 19 years. He's not so good anymore that people are willing to put up with the jerkness. Now he's just a jerk who's not as good and nobody wants to play with him. And that's, you know, kids, if you're a jerk, Nobody will want to play with you. Look at Kobe Bryant. Of course, he's been in the league for 19 years. He is fourth on the all-time scoring list. Also, it should be noted that everybody else in the top six of uh, of most missed field goals is pretty much a Hall of Famer. John Havlicek, Elvin Hayes, Carl Malone, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and a guy named Michael Jordan. So, But still, I, I view this news, which... After the game, Kobe Bryant said, I had no idea. I didn't even know that was a record. Oh, come on. Of course he did. And I'm elated at somebody's failure because they're a jerk. Over in football, you know who's a jerk but doesn't play football? It's Justin Bieber. Now, I have said on uh, on the air, on the radio shows, we created the monster that is Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber is uh, a terrible human being. But we created this monster by heaping fame and adoration and success upon a very young, uh, disoriented Canadian child who had some singing and dancing talent. And we, we told this young child that everything he did was fantastic and that he was better than everybody else. And as children do, when adults talk to them, he believed us. Anyway, football? No, he doesn't play football. But... Justin Bieber went to a prayer service for the Pittsburgh Steelers, a prayer meeting the night before the Steelers were to play the New York Jets, a very bad team. And the Steelers lost to the Jets 20 to 13. Now, Ben Roethlisberger 
quarterback of the Steelers, a bad guy, reports that it is not because of Justin Bieber's visit that we lost that game. But there's just there's such a confluence of bad guyness happening in that event. You have Justin Bieber visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room, and it's I mean I'm okay, fine. I'm bitter I because uh, the Steelers beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl a long, long time ago. But even leaving aside that, you've just got this confluence of bad guyness, and and I think I don't. Are you like me? Do you start to see a storyline? Do you do you just do you take these statistics of okay, this team scored more points than that team, which is going to happen in almost every game. One team will score more points, and. Uh, and, and you see like a moral thread emerging. I do anyway, uh, which takes us to Chicago where, boy, the Bears. Oh, the Bears. Uh, the Bears are losing really bad. They, they lost uh, like five in a row. They lost 55 to 14 to the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night and uh, just get just got walloped. I guess the last time they lost by that much was to a team called the Rochester Jeffersons. Back in, back in the you know 1800s or something. I don't know. A long, long time ago. They're in rough shape. And here is where I just get conflicted, because their quarterback is Jay Cutler, who is a bad guy. Uh, he's a very talented quarterback. He has a very strong arm, but it reminds me of Jeff George. If you remember the quarterback Jeff George, just a million dollar arm and an unbearable personality. Uh, he yells at his teammates. He yells at his coaches. He sulks on the sideline. If, if the team's doing badly, he's not talking to them on the sideline about what should be done next. He's, he's off in his own dour world. Now, this could be seen as noble if a team is winning, but when a team is losing, like the Bears, then you're just seen as a jerk. I, he... Everybody agrees on his talent, but he was with the Denver Broncos, ultimately ended up going over to the Chicago Bears. I don't know if it's because he was a jerk, but I sense that might have had something to do with it. Because if you're that talented and a great guy, I think a team tries to hold on to you more. So in that sense, I I do I feel not only uh, satisfied that the Bears are getting what's coming to them by having a jerk quarterback, but I also feel like there is cosmic justice, which makes me feel better about the universe that we're all living in. However, Mark Trestman is the coach of the Chicago Bears, and from what I can tell, he's a really great guy. Now, this is a guy who... Uh, now. I'm biased because he is from uh, from Minnesota. He went to St. Louis Park High School here in the Twin Cities. Um, but I'm just I'm fascinated by the complexity of the guy. Like I'm always more interested in the the backup player than I am the star player because I think their story is more interesting. Uh, I'm more interested in character actors than movie stars. I just think there's more going on there. Mark Trestman was a college football quarterback at the University of Minnesota. He was a backup for three seasons. You know who was the starter? Tony Dungy, NFL head coach and uh, opinion about homosexuality haver. Uh, so, and then he transferred to uh, Moorhead, Minnesota State University Moorhead for his senior year, presumably to, to play a little bit more. Mark Tressman has bounced around football, pro football and college football since the 1980s. Uh, he has just been all over the place. Vikings, Raiders, others, all sorts of places. And it really came together for Tressman when he got a job coaching the Montreal Alouettes in the Canadian Football League. That's where they have the the 110-yard uh, field and the the three-down rule, and you can uh, you can bring a moose onto the field if you want to, and everybody has to drink beer. I'm unclear about the rules of Canadian football, but dude wins back-to-back -back Grey Cups, which is the Super Bowl of the Canadian Football League. And he's he's lauded as a genius, not just for getting his players to play hard and play well, but just in innovation. So I am fascinated by this guy who was not quite very good as a player and then worked hard and kind of bounced around uh, in a million different NFL teams, million different football teams, which is very common for coaching, but that he's just innovative that he's just doing something really interesting and that the Chicago Bears said, yeah, we, we want you to come do that interesting thing for us and see if it works. 
from what I've gathered, from what I've uh, been told, what I've read, what I've what I've accrued in terms of knowledge, Trestman versus Cutler is the fundamental rift on this team because Cutler is a rear back and throw the ball down the field as hard as you can type of quarterback, whereas the Trestman method calls for much more complexity, much more of a, a cerebral approach. So I... I don't know if does the does the lack of success by the Chicago Bears mean that thinking just doesn't work <laughs> that it's just that it's just not going to work out or is it all Jay Cutler's fault you can you can make an argument that Mark Trestman is just flopping that it's just not working out that he's just a dumb dummy who thought that a thing would work that didn't work and uh doesn't know how to motivate his team and just stinks real bad but I choose to look at this narrative and say, oh, yeah, that's Cutler's fault. It's the jerk's fault. Uh, finally, of the four uh, good guys and bad guys issues that we're looking at, Dirk Nowitzki. Um, he moved into ninth place in the all-time NBA scoring list. Still five behind Kobe Bryant. Jerk. But uh, Dirk Nowitzki now ha- uh, finished the night at 26,953 points in the, the game that he was playing and uh, moved past Akeem Olajuwon into the number nine spot and uh, is now the top scoring foreign born player in NBA history. And for some reason, I look at that and I'm like, that's just good news. That's a good guy. And here's the thing. I don't really know if I'm right, but I want to be right and all I have to go on, as is so often the case with with uh, sports and celebrity, is just the the hints that I gather. And for me, it's it's the complexity of the story that got him to this place in the first place. Now he was he was drafted in the same draft uh, as Michael, the one where Michael Olawakandi went first overall to the L.A. Clippers, and. He went, Nowitzki went ninth. He was drafted actually by the Milwaukee Bucks, who traded the rights to Dirk Nowitzki along with Pat Garrity to the Dallas Mavericks in exchange for the player that the Mavericks had drafted a little bit earlier, Robert Tractor Trailer, a great big guy, big fat guy. Um, I think he's passed away, and uh, and I'm I'm I mourn his passing. But it's but the. The difference between Nowitzki and Tractor Trailer is the fundamental difference of the NBA as it used to be and the NBA as it is now. Because it used to be, you'd kind of want fat guys. You'd kind of want big, beefy guys clogging up the lane and just banging around down the middle. And when the European players started showing up, what was the knock on them? Well, they're too thin. They're going to get they're going to get smacked around. They're not going to have a chance. And uh, and then Dirk Nowitzki being traded for for tractor trailer was a, a taking sides on that issue. The Milwaukee Bucks saying we will choose the traditional method. The Dallas Mavericks saying we will choose a more maverick approach. We will we will take the innovative approach of we want uh, a young skinny German guy because we think he can do great things. And obviously, it's worked out. Um, he's he's uh, he's stuck around there, and I don't know why. I think he's a good guy, except that he grows a beard occasionally that looks even worse than mine. Maybe I have some affinity for him in that sense. But also, he just seems cool. He seems like the he seems like the foreign exchange student that comes to your high school, and then everybody is all set to make fun of him and give him a hard time. But then it turns out he knows all about like the Velvet Underground, and he's way cooler than anybody at your school. So I don't know. I I think. When I see this news that he's succeeding, that he's ninth on the all-time scoring list, first top scoring all-time of foreign-born players, I just feel like that's good news for him. And so it's enforcing my idea of him being a good guy. Does anybody else see it this way? Does anybody else see the uh, see the NBA through the lens of good good guys and bad guys? Does anybody see the NFL that way, or hockey, or baseball? Because I tend to, I, I tend to to invent narratives and enhance personalities in a way where the statistics and results are kind of feeding into the personalities. After a while, um, I'm not sure it's entirely healthy, but I think. 
in the grand scheme of things, I'm looking for the story. We're all, I mean, entertainment is all about telling stories, right? So you look for the overarching narrative and you look for the heroes and you look for the villains. And, uh, you know, you don't like Ben Roethlisberger, I guess, is is my larger point. Um, hmm. Gives you something to think about. It, tell me how you think about that. Do you feel the same way as I do? You can email me at jmo at mpr.org. That's M as in Minnesota, not M as in national. And uh, let me know kind of the, the psychology of how you approach this kind of thing. The NBA season is underway. Lots of teams are playing basketball, except for one team, which plays some sort of future crazy basketball, as they do every year. I'm talking about the San Antonio Spurs, here to shed some light on the mystical world of the San Antonio Spurs, center forward Matt Bonner. Hey, Matt. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing okay. So, can can you help me out with this, like, the Spurs, congratulations on winning the championship, of course. Uh, what is it? What is the secret sauce that is making this team just different than the other teams? You know, I don't think it's just one ingredient. I think it's a, it's a number of factors that contribute to our success. And uh, not sure where exactly you want me to start. but <laughs> Well, let's start with the coach because he's he's been there quite – I mean, you've been there eight years, but he's been there – quite a long time. Um, what can you tell us about Greg Popovich that uh, our listeners might not already know? I would say he's actually a really nice guy. I think he comes across in the media, especially during his interviews during timeouts, as, uh, you know... Surly? Yeah, surly. Good word. Thanks. On the court, you know, he's got to do his job. He, he's, he's a different kind of person. You know, he's got to get the most out of his players. And, and usually has a coach... That that isn't always done by smiling and being jovial. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you know he he does that on the court and then and off the court he's uh, you know educated, worldly, well read, and also a really nice guy. This year's roster is pretty similar to to last season, right? There's a couple little changes, but it's it's by and large the same group, right? It's actually the exact same group with one addition, Kyle Anderson. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, I mean, you've been there for a while now. You've been there eight years. What makes for a good San Antonio Spurs player? Like, what kind of guy succeeds on that team? Uh, uh, we talk about it being, you know, the Spurs way. I'm sure people who follow basketball have read or heard that term before. Yes. And it, it really isn't just the players. It's everybody in the organization, you know, from, from front office management down to the equipment manager, and then obviously the players as well. A spur is someone who is hardworking, high character, unselfish. You know, m- most importantly, always puts the team and the organization first. You know, you got to check your ego at the door. Stats don't matter. The only thing that matters is doing everything you can do to to help the team win, whatever your role may be. Are these players coming in and then need to be taught that, or does the team only recruit players who are already like that? Um, mostly the the guys that that we sign are are already like that, and for I think for anyone new coming in, just the fact that you know Tim Duncan is the way he is, and then obviously Manu and Tony as well, you know they're they do things the Spurs way, and they're the leaders of the team, and everybody else kind of falls in line behind them. So it's kind of a combination of already. You know, A, already having high-character guys that kind of fit the mold. Then, you know, guys like Timmy, arguably the greatest power forward ever, being as unselfish and putting the team first. You can't help but create that culture team-wide. Yeah. Tim Duncan. Now, I've been watching him for years, and I feel like I still don't really know him. Like, he plays with a sort of, psychologically anyway, a sort of detachment that makes him very, very mysterious. What's he like as a teammate? He is incredibly... Professional, hardworking, methodical. Uh, he he comes in and works just as hard as anybody. I always like to tell the story when I first got traded to the Spurs, and uh, I played my first two seasons with the Toronto Raptors, and we didn't make the playoffs either year. And I remember I was golfing in the summer, 
after my second season and got a call from my agent and told me I was going to be traded. And I was kind of disappointed because I really enjoyed playing in Toronto, even though we weren't winning a ton of games. And then you followed up with, you're going to the Spurs. And I went, you know, from disappointed to really excited. Because yeah. every sports fan knows the uh, reputation of the Spurs. So, uh, you know, I decided I was going to get there two months before training camp started. And some of the coaches were there and, and, and some of the players and stuff were going to be coming in and doing these workouts. So I want to make a good impression, you know, make sure I was going to be in the best shape possible come training camp. And uh, I guess mid, mid-August mid in San Antonio, and for anybody who's been in San Antonio in mid-August. That's hot. Oh, it's hot and humid. It's just miserable being outside. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we lifted weights and we were doing conditioning Flipping tires in the parking lot, oh. where uh, you know playing pickup, and after all this, after all this, we go out back and, and there's this like man-made hill. It looks like a giant like snowboarding jump in the back of the practice facility, and we're going to do these conditioning drills up and down this man-made hill in the back. And at this point, you know it's it's almost noon and it's a hundred plus degrees out. And I'm tired from everything else before, and it's day one, and it's mid-August. And I just like just can't believe how difficult these workouts are. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, man, I don't know if I can do this. But the, the thing is, you know, I'm going up the hill the first, first time with these thoughts. You look behind you, and right behind you, Tim Duncan doing everything with you. <laughs> so, you know, that, that kind of, that's the kind of leadership that he provides, and... uh the kind of teammate he is, and like I said, he just sets the tone for everybody. Are there players in the league who are really good players but just would not work out on the San Antonio Spurs, just wouldn't be a good fit? Um, There's no way Carmelo Anthony would be a good spur. You can't say that, but I can say that. I mean, who, who's to say? I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, Guys can change their personas when, when they come to the Spurs and, you know, follow – follow Tim's lead and buy into uh, the Spurs way, and who knows? I was uh, I was watching the game from the other night when you played the Atlanta Hawks. Congratulations, close win. And I was wondering, down the stretch, when you're on the bench in a close game like that and there's a timeout and everybody gathers around, what is your job in a situation like that when you're not in the game and you're you're not going into the game? You know, just because you're, you're not playing or you're on the bench doesn't mean you can't help your team win. So, you know, for me, being more of a veteran guy, I'm making sure, especially the younger guys, making sure they know, you know, whatever play coach drew up, making sure they know where they're going to be, making sure everybody knows the foul situation. Do we have a foul to give? Are we in bonus? Do we have timeouts left? Um, you know, slapping everybody five, trying to get them pumped up for the upcoming play. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, just doing everything you can to help the team win. Might sound trivial or corny. But really, everybody on our team buys into that. Maybe it's just a small part, but it, it helps contribute to our success. So then during the game also, are you, are you keeping track of the foul situation? Or what are the things that you as a veteran are looking at from the bench during a game? You know, everything. I want to, you know, my goal, and I think everybody's goal on our team is for everybody to be on the same page at all times, whether you're in the game or you're not in the game. If you're on the bench and you see something, you have the freedom to speak up and, and point it out to everybody. If I, if I see, you know, we're running in our, our offense and while Manu's cutting through, James Harden's not paying attention. James Harden never pays attention. I'll point it out in the next time out. Or someone else will point it out in the next time out. Hey, when you're cutting through, when we run weak, yeah. James Harden's not never looking. Look for that backdoor pass. To be fair, Matt, though, James Harden has never played a moment <laughs> of defense in his entire life. To be honest, I picked him arbitrarily. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I could break down James Harden's defense if I really had to. And I'm a fan of his uh, his style, his beard. Oh, the beard's his, fantastic. How he scores and everything. So, they were playing them tonight, so his, his name was on my mind, I guess. Right, right. So now you have been with the team for for quite a while, and you've had a lot of success with the team. Um, there are there are other tall talented center forwards out there that the team could have playing for them. Do you think that you've had a successful career with them because you are good at those other things 
from the bench, that analysis, that that uh, the teamwork that you're able to do? I mean, does it go beyond basketball skills while you've stuck with the team this long? You know, as, as nice as it is to be the best redheaded basketball player in the world for the last several years, <laughs> Um, Once Scalabrini left, you were you were secure. Yeah, exactly. By default, people, everybody listening is like, "Wait, what are the redheads are in the league?" You could make an argument for Blake Griffin, kind of, <laughs> kind of. But you know, outside of him, I'm the only one. So therefore, I get that distinction. Nice. I I don't know. You know, I'd like to like to think so. Um, you know, basketball is a team sport, and you know, part of being successful or, or you know, being able to be on a winning team is, is buying into the, that team's concept. I wanted to ask you about the, the multinationalism on the team. This is one of the most uh, diverse teams, I think, in the league. You got guys from Europe, you got guys from South America, you got an Australian guy. Um, is, is language ever an issue, or does everybody speak English, or does everybody just speak basketball and that's fine? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, to each other, we mostly speak English. You get, you know, Tiago's from Brazil, and he speaks Spanish and Portuguese, so him and Manu might be having a conversation in Spanish in the back of the bus on one side of me, then Boris and Tony might be speaking French mm-hmm. on the other side, then Patty and, and Aaron Baines will be speaking Australian. <laughs> Which is another language entirely. Yeah. yeah, you know, you got Bellinelli and Coach Messina might be yelling at each other on the court in Italian. But, you know, it's mostly English outside of that. Yeah. I want to ask you about the Sandwich Hunter blog because I have just discovered this. You, you've been you've been traveling around uh, reporting on sandwiches for the NBA website, sandwiches in different cities. How yeah. did that get started? Well, I'm a huge sandwich enthusiast. Uh-huh. It started in, in college at the University of Florida. I ate a tremendous amount of Subway footlong sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a quick, relatively healthy um, way to you know get sustenance. From there, I got to the NBA and I got to Toronto. And there's a chain up in Canada called Mr. Sub, and it's really good. And they offer some different toppings than are available here in the states. And they got this awesome sauce called called Sub Sauce, which I'm not quite sure what it is, but it's delicious. Uh-huh. You can get that on your subs. So I used to eat at Mr. Sub, you know, pretty much every day. And they were one of our team sponsors, and they got wind of it. I did this, you know, sub-eating contest for uh, to benefit the Boys and Girls Club in Toronto. And I got traded to the Spurs, and I just wanted to try to think of some way to keep my love of sandwiches going and <laughs> decided, well, why not write a blog? Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously the website guys love the idea. They're always looking for content. And that's kind of how it started. Standard sandwich order when you go into a new sandwich place. How do you try them out? What do you test them with? Uh, usually, I, I will go in and, and see what, like, what ask them. What, what you, a, what's your best sandwich? What do you think your best sandwich is? What's your most popular sandwich? And, and kind of go from there. Are you ever spotted? Like, I mean, it's a very, very tall, redheaded guy coming in demanding to know what your best sandwich is. <laughs> do, do they know who you are? No. No, no one. Usually, it's funny. You know, people usually see me as being tall, and they'll ask if I played basketball. Obviously, every tall person gets that one all the time. Sure. And then I'll say, yeah. I'll, you know, do you play basketball? Yeah. You know, the next question is always like, what college do you play on? Which I take as a compliment because I'm 34, so if they still think I'm a college. <laughs> pretty sweet but yeah no one suspects i play in the nba (laughs) completely just some random incredibly tall guy um (laughs) tell me about the rock on foundation which is uh something that you run with your brother yeah you know my brother and i are huge fans of music and growing up and living in new hampshire we don't get a lot of the cooler music acts either they'll go to boston they won't come to new hampshire right so uh i wanted to start doing some stuff for charity and Decided, hey, you know, I'm I'm passionate about basketball, obviously, but you know, I'm also passionate about music, and I think it would be great if we could, you know, bring some cool shows to New Hampshire, and and also, you know, raise money for for good causes. And so, I guess about eight years ago, we we started this 
concert called Sneakers and Speakers. And uh, we had a band called Ockerville River. Oh, yeah. Whose lead man, Will Sheff, is from New Hampshire. I know Will. Will's a friend of mine. Yeah. Very smart guy. Great uh, songwriter and performer. But anyways, we approached him and told him our idea. You know, this was eight years ago. And and he, he said he liked it. And we... They had never performed in New Hampshire, so we did a charity concert at the Capitol Center of the Arts in Concord, New Hampshire, and it went really well, and we kept doing this charity show the next few summers, and uh, eventually we formalized you know, what we were doing into the Rock On Foundation, and we are trying to really get children excited about music and arts and also sports and really try to fill the void from all these programs getting cut from school systems and whatnot. What's in heavy rotation in Matt Bonner's musical world these days? Uh, War on Drugs, Lost in the Dream. Mm-hmm. I've actually gone old school with, with the Wrens, Medellins. I don't know why. It's really, you know, kind of the quintessential emo, you know, crying, sad, <laughs> angry music. Do you use that to get really psyched up before games? Just listen to some <laughs> tearful emo music? You know what? It's funny you say that. I actually don't really need to get pumped up before games. I'm like the opposite. I like to listen to relaxing music to try to calm me down and create more of a zen state as opposed to, you know, blasting Metallica and getting all fired up. Right. You got you gotta you gotta ride that line. Um so more on the Rock On Foundation can be can be found at rockonfoundation.org. Matt Bonner can be found on the court with the San Antonio Spurs. Matt, good luck this season. We'll be keeping an eye on you. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, thank you for having me. And onward we move to round two of the Tournament of Names NBA edition. We take the mascots of all 30 NBA teams. We tossed in a couple of college teams to round out to an even 32. And we're holding a tournament to see in battles to the death which mascot would win. And we will keep this up until we know which is the grand champion of nomenclature of the National Basketball Association. So we move on to round two. We had round one before. Now it's round two. That's how sequential order works with me is um, comic, writer, actor, guy, Mike Fotis. Hello, Mike. Hey, how's it going? Adjudicating the matches is uh, big shot executive Peter Clowney. Peter Clowney, hello. Hello, John. It occurs to me that, like, we argue these things and then you decide. Yeah. But I always introduce you as a big shot executive (laughs) because I think it's funny that you get upset about Uh, that. But then I've already dug myself a hole. Yeah. That's right. I've engendered your ill will. Yeah. Yeah. But it's weird that you get offended by a compliment. I don't know. (laughs) It's a little odd. It's like guy I talk to all day long. That could also be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It sounds unsettling. Fine. Um, All right. So, uh, so Mike, if you'll take the the top of these brackets and I'll take the bottom of these brackets and uh, let's, let's have tip off. Okay. First match is uh, Nets versus Pistons. Mike, you're up. Okay. Well, as you all know, when you are looking at incomes or money earned and taken in, there's the gross and, and the, the net. The net. Nice. All right. And yeah. the gross throws you off sometimes because you think you have more than you actually right. do. But the net is solid. It's where it all That's counts. what you have. Yeah. That's what you've earned, whoa. Peter. Okay. Do you hear what I'm saying? I do. I hear so you. So they come in and you're like, whoa, you're throwing off because they're that financially solid. <laughs> I, I think you're arguing a, an abstract accounting concept here. And, you know, by your own admission, the gross is what's really exciting. The net is endemic to disappointment. Bad things are going to happen because of the net. You're, you're let down. You've had FICA taken out. You've had all these things. Whereas the pistons keep chugging along. <laughs> Which is the sound? That's a recording that I made of some pistons. I, I need a clarification. What is the manifestation of this net when it actually hits the field in this combat? What or does it court? look like? I guess it's the court. In that's this a case. really yeah. great question. Yeah, yeah. You're you're asking what it looks like? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a giant, a giant ninja with a huge sword. <laughs> so wow, that's, oh, that's pretty tough. That's a swerve. Almost went unsaid. Yeah, so that's great. So I should have mentioned that. So the bottom line. So it's an accounting concept. Accounting value by a ninja? is yeah. manifest in a giant sword swinging ninja. Mm. What? How tall? 
would you say? Uh, tall enough that scoring is not a problem. Okay, the okay. sword. Yeah. I guess rolling the ball down the sword. Got the sword, yeah. Okay. Could probably help the, with layups, yeah. too. And then the pistons are making what sound again? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I know. I know. I was, like I was expecting the pistons to, like, get the net into their works and get gummed up and all this stuff. Well, you know, as we saw what's been happening in Detroit... Uh, <laughs> Car parts are no match yeah, for accounting. I'm, I'm going with nets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you felt it too. Nets take. No, yeah. no. I, I realized. <laughs> I realized, especially once the ninja. You squeaked uh, it out. With station happened. Uh, okay, next match we have the Nuggets versus the Rockets, and uh, Mike, uh, you're you're battling uphill. You're going to argue for the Nuggets. Here. Sure am. All right. So here's the thing. Chicken nuggets. Yes. Are you hearing me on this one? Everybody acts like they don't like them, mm. but everybody secretly likes them quite a bit. And they come in lots of different sizes. So, so maybe you want four. Maybe you want eight. Maybe you want 12. Maybe you want 40. That's probably an option. Okay? <laughs> so there's that. They're, everyone wants them. Everyone so wants a nugget. A so the Denver appeal. Nuggets, in your scenario, are actually chicken nuggets. <laughs> That's right. Right. And are desirable. Right. I was coming. I was coming with a different angle on this yeah, one. Yeah. No. And you know the best way to clog up a rocket's engine? No, I do not. You shove some chicken nuggets in oh. there. Oh. Hmm. Mm. In the uh, and intake. Then you, and then you, you make sure it stays glued with some barbecue sauce. <laughs> With the viscosity, the Rockets okay. have a ha, have a lot of weapons. Uh, there are they have a lot of variety on their team. So some of the Rockets are more like the Apollo Rockets, in which mm. case they could carry a payload of something like oh chicken nuggets into space. Then other members of the Rockets, more the shooty down weapony kind of Rockets, can explode those Rockets with warheads. Rockets. Rockets. Okay. Right. Shooty downy warheady types. Shooty the downy kind of public radio warheads. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that sets up Nets versus Rockets for the next round. We'll get to that another day. But for right now, we move on to Trailblazers versus Lakers. All right. Well, I got the Trailblazers. Have you ever met? People who hike for a living, mm, yeah, they are. I used to live in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I was going to say yeah. they're pretty solid. intimidating. They folks. have strong calves. Yeah, <laughs> they have no problem getting up any type of mountain. Right. They have Lots North Face jackets. Yeah. they yeah. survive on like a cliff bar a week. Yeah, <laughs> like you gonna put them in any type of arena, you yeah. are gonna lose, my friend. Right. They know I, what gorp means. Yeah, they yeah. don't even like trails that are out there. They blaze different ones. Do you see what I'm saying? They're unsatisfied with the yeah. current allotment of trails. So they tear it up. Even though they know bears and all kinds of things are around, they're <laughs> still going to do it, Peter. Yes. That's a tough... These guys honestly should probably be ranked really, really high. Okay. In the overall seating. Got you. The Lakers, as we know, are sorcerers who control uh, the creation and dispersal of lakes. Mm. Right. Uh, so. And I think when you hear about uh, some ill will befalling a hiker, they've fallen into a lake. Given that a laker can move a lake into the path of any trail, blazed or not, right? Uh, they could have, the trailblazers could have a sudden precipitous fall. Possibly there are lake monsters in the lake that will swallow them up. Uh, but regardless, you know, you could be blazing any trail you want, but a fire sure goes out when it runs into a lake. Uh, I, I'm here's another thing. Oh, yes, really ahead. quickly. Yeah. Uh, most trailblazers have an acoustic guitar with them at any time. For paddling? Yeah. And everybody knows the one way to tame a laker is to sit around a campfire yeah. and play a little Dave Matthews band. Yeah. And then the lake's like, oh, we're cool, sound? dude. We're cool. Yeah. I'm going to sue the lakers. Going to sue the lakers. Going to sue the lakers. Would that work on you, John, as a laker? Uh, Yes. Oh. <laughs> well, question. Do trailblazers blaze with fire? I don't... Yeah, they blaze actually, with whatever they need, Peter. Water beats fire. I'm going with the Lakers. Lakers. I, I, your image was fantastic, though. Yeah. Okay. Focus. All right. Oh, oh okay. He starts snoring up a little. Yeah. Yeah. Dave Matthews sucks. Okay. <laughs> Warriors versus 76ers. Um, right. and, and this one, I think I'm at a disadvantage, because you have the Warriors. I have the Warriors. Like, it's in their name. They are Warriors. They are the Warriors. And here's another thing you don't know about the Warriors. Yeah. There's always going to be more than 76 of them. Mm. That's all I'm going to throw out there. <laughs> all you could ever bring at me is 76 of whatever you are. Okay. I'll just bring 78. 78 I'll, Warriors. I'll bring 80. I'll bring 80. You've got a lot of Warriors. Yeah. Um, the 76ers, it's a different approach. You know, it's not going, they're not going to 
beat the warriors with muscle or with weaponry, but they will do so with constitutional amendments. Wow. Yep. Spirit of 1776, they can uh, they can put anything in the Constitution they want, ambiguous or not. Uh, they can they can omit things. They can change things. They can get uh, Ben Franklin on their side. They can move Thomas Jefferson's allegiance. These are powerful people uh, whose ideas uh, a long time ago, while farting around in Philadelphia, I'm not I'm not sure that the warriors are bound by law. They're not loyal mm, to country. No. Yeah. Well, warriors. All, okay. I, I do like that the 76ers D League is the 87ers. That shows just how hyper aware. <laughs> like before you said, that's the good Phil- math. Yeah, because yeah. Philly's full of teams like the Philadelphia people from Philadelphia. Is, right. As right. you said, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> all right. Moving on. Um, so, so we've done our inanimate division, and uh, we've done our people division. Now we move on to the animal division, and a first round matchup. Bulls versus Hawks. Go. All right. This one's tough for you, my friend, because you never know if the Bulls are telling the truth. <laughs> oh. You never know. Oh. You have no bull. idea. Yeah. You have and no these idea. are talking bulls that we're They're just, talking bulls yeah, yeah. who might be giving you a load of bull. Wow. And just knowing that has to throw you off your game. Can you riddle them and trap them in some way if we are clever enough to remember how to do that? You could try. Yeah. Could try. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that is that is a challenge. Um, the Hawks, as we all know, are uh, a team uh, whose mascot is the uh, high-ranking military official encouraging war. Um, the traditional doves versus hawks right. paradigm. Right. Uh, these guys are uncomfortable to be around. Why are we going into a war? We have no quarrel with that country. There's no reason to go into that war. But these guys will just keep – they'll – They'll attack your patriotism. They will attack so your resolve. They'll they attack make you your, uncomfortable your manhood. As their chief. They make you uncomfortable to the point where you die in a fight. And <laughs> also, they might, yourself? also like, they might send you overseas to die in a fight. So these aren't birds. These are these are just these are just hawkish. These are just men in very suits. troubling men with power. Yeah, uh, against actual stampeding bulls that, that lie are to you. Lying to you, bulls. <laughs> Bulls. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I, I, no, again, that's fair. There was there used that's to fair. be no. talent shooting and everything. I mean, there is a lot of there is a lot of lies going on in that matchup. Yeah, I, that's I have right. to admit. Yeah. Uh, let's see what happens here in the animal division. This is hornets versus timberwolves. All right. Now, if it was just one hornet, yeah, I would say we were in trouble. True. Mm. But these are many hornets, and as you guys both know, so I feel even weird. I feel we're even bringing this up. It's yeah. so dumb. <laughs> but hornets work together. Oh, they right. work really well together. Very team spirited. Yeah. So they yeah. usually get together. They've been planning for weeks and weeks and weeks. Wow. They build themselves into a giant man made of hornets. Oh, uh, sure. Actually, in this scenario, they build themselves into a team. Uh-huh. A team a basketball with great players. chemistry. Uh-huh. They're all basketball players made of hornets. Whoa. So, you want to... You, have you ever played basketball and gotten deed up? You've never been deed up by a man made entirely of hornets mm. who's just stinging you. Yeah. Stinging you if you try to get to the basket. That's tough, man. They don't score a lot because right. it's hard for a hornet, even a, a lot of hornets, to right. pick up a ball. Even but like wing to wing. Yeah, yeah. They're really good. Yeah. Uh, Timberwolves, a lot of people think that this is just another word for wolves. And indeed, the Minnesota NBA franchise, a lot of people say, oh, it's the wolves. These are wolves made of wood. These wood are wolves. these are timber wolves, oh. and uh, as such, they are somewhat stingproof. They oh. uh, Whoa, they were made in a lumber mill. They were assembled. They they do work as a team. They are somewhat creaky. They need to be oiled. I'm not saying this is a perfect team. They need to be sanded. Uh, they need to be repaired and tightened from time to time. However, the traditional approach of uh, basketball players formed entirely out of uh, out of bees does not startle these timber wolves. They're incapable of recognizing such complex patterns. Do these wolves still possess the ability, as I recall, to lure you into the woods and then trick you with a puppet show? And yes. This is the same wolves. They happen to be made of wood, which makes it even harder for you to and, spot them, perhaps. And to be fair, it makes the puppet show not as good. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anytime you have a wooden puppet performer, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get the soul. wooden. Because the job, yeah. Peter, yeah. of a puppeteer is yeah. to imbue the inanimate object with life. Yeah. And when you're already a wooden wolf, 
you know, it doesn't it doesn't go well. John has a magical ability to point out the weaknesses of his own character. I'm just trying to be realistic. Yeah, but I do, I do think there's that no even, flaw in the Hornet yeah, argument. <laughs> I do think, though, I mean, while Hornets can build their nests on wood, they don't actually do much damage to the wood. Mm. I think even swarming, the wolves themselves have the pack sensibility. I think the wolves... Have you ever been stuck by a Hornet? <laughs> I believe I have. Have you ever been attacked by a wooden wolf? I think I would remember that worse. So I'm going to go with wolves. All right. So so coming out of the the animal division, it's going to be bulls versus timber wolves next time. That's going to be be exciting. That would be really exciting. Um, All right. Moving on to the abstract and intangible division, we have raptors versus wizards. All right, I think I might be at a disadvantage <laughs> with this one. All right, because you will have magic on your side. Yes. So we have raptors. So what we did with this team is everybody knows that raptors are dangerous because they're fast. Their flaw is they have the tiny little arms. Right. So they can't grab a lot mm-hmm. of We're things, talking about right? dinosaur raptors, yeah. not birds. Yeah. No, we're talking about dinosaur yeah. like velociraptors. Like velociraptors. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we need to get to you fast yeah. and we need to get to you hard, right? Right. And the one way we're going to be able to do that is we stretch out our arms. So. We hired a strength and conditioning coach in Canada, to just, yeah, yeah, to yeah. just teach the velociraptors to do pull-ups. Oh, they're not they just bound. doing hangs, it's covered yeah. under government healthcare. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So now their arms are nice and long. Mm. Oh, they, and they stretched can them. Fight, yeah. Whoa. So they're gonna get to you before you're able to do your spell because the issue with wizards, right? And this is something that I think gets glossed over too much because yes, their power is mighty. But you have to throw out your po- your uh, abracadabra thing or whatever it's called. What is that? As a it's spell, your spell. You have yeah. to throw out yeah. the yeah. spell. You have to cast a spell. Yeah, but you yeah. have to do it as so, a wizard, right? Yeah, you got to so, say the incantation. Yeah, we're right. gonna attack you. But if I can you, slap you silly with my long arms. Yeah, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna bite you in the calves. You're like, ah! <laughs> and if everybody knows, if you even say the incantation even a little bit wrong. Yeah. Then it's bad news for you. Hmm. Well, you make a compelling case. Uh, <laughs> right. Here's what the wizards have to their advantage. Uh, obviously, we all know there aren't a lot of wizards in the world um, because it's hard to find the conical hats. It's hard to embroider the stars on the robes. Uh, Beard growing. At best, yeah, at best, maybe there's five or six wizards on planet Earth at any one time. Mm. However, there's a tremendous allegiance in the world to the Harry Potter books. And so when you have wizards, you will have children and tweens and childlike adults, really a lot of childlike adults flocking onto the court to be with these, uh, to be with these wizards. Now, the game is not going to be pleasant. There's going to be a lot of bloodshed. And hopefully the children will be ushered to safety. There will be carnage. These childlike adults who have been reading Harry Potter books will be ripped apart. It, I'm not saying whether that's good or bad, but they will, uh, they will perish. But there will be a lot of them, and eventually that will give the, the living wizards enough time to cast the spells. Can I, I throw something pretend? out there? Yes, please. All right. I think that eventually the wizards will see all the children being eaten by the raptors. Yeah. And they will, they'll pull back right. because a, a raptor just doesn't know. Oh, okay. A raptor's just going to keep it's going and going machine. and going. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. just throwing that out there, Peter, it's, for something to think about, you handsome devil. Thank. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, you know, I think about in Jurassic Park, like, you know, they're working together. You see kind of one, and there's one around the corner that's going to get you, like, right. from behind. Right. Especially in a kitchen reflected from yeah. cabinetry. Yeah. And so I feel like, uh, actually, while a wizard has ultimate power coming out of that conical hat and the cast, you can get surprised. Yeah. I yeah, actually think the swarm of raptors is going to take this one. And All I know right. that's an upset, but. Yeah, well, that is an upset, but yeah. that's why they play the games. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then finally, the final match of this round in the abstract intangible bracket is uh, boy, this is a tricky one. <laughs> this is this is the Heat versus the Suns. Mike, well, is this a chicken and egg argument? <laughs> um, I know. I know. Okay, uh, I think the Heat win for this reason. All right, right? You, if if the, if the sun was cold, it wouldn't work. It would just be nothing. Do you see what I'm saying? Gas. So, like, if the heat just decides to stop being hot, then yeah. what does the sun have? Nothing. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, is the is the heat withholding in this scenario? Yeah, the heat's just going to withhold. It's it's going to step away from the yeah. sun. Yeah, and then you got nothing. Well, you have a nice sun, which is a lot like it's a, it's a rare astronomical an phenomenon. Sun. An ice sun. I thought you said like a nice sun. Like, well, oh, you, you do have a nice boy. sun, yeah, Peter. Thank you. You too. But um, but no, an ice sun is uh, it gives off cold. 
in yes. much the way that a traditional Ooh. hot sun would give off heat. Mm. And uh, it's the reason that uh, we don't boil is the hidden ice sun behind our regular sun. That keeps the, the the regular sun from burning us up. So even in the absence of heat, the ice sun could prevail. I will admit that I was not aware of that science. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know The that. ice sun yeah. that somehow doesn't melt, it just kind of tempers the sun. Well, no, because it's all cold. Right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Completely. How could it? How could um, it? I'm a little flabbergasted. I didn't really understand the, the, the metaphysics of this are a little overwhelming. I, yeah. I, I actually um, the government doesn't want you to know. Yeah, it's true. It's a little hard. I, I will say, well, really quickly, go, yes. I'll throw this out there. Glenn Fry didn't sing a song called "The Sun Is On." Yeah, he sang a song called "The Heat Is On." George yeah. Harrison never sang "Here Comes the Heat." Yeah, mm. doot and doo doo. I mean, we do know that suns lose heat over time. Uh, Salgarda didn't sing a song called. <laughs> Black hole eat. <laughs> That's true, John. I think that would be my argument. You're right. Yes. You're right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Any more from you there, John? Um, uh, Reverend Horton's son. No, I got no, nothing. No, no, I got nothing. Um, well, I think if I put those together, it, it actually comes out to be the heat. The heat really? wins. All right. All right. <laughs> because yeah. Raptors versus Heat in the next round for that one. Well, we got a lot to think about and uh, a lot of comic books to illustrate about all these matches. Mike Fotis, Peter Clowney, thanks. Thank you. And finally, checking in with the Finnish Professional Hockey League. Looks like Luko Rauma is still in first place. Nine and two. And uh, that's that's pretty good. Funnily enough, uh, nobody on uh, on Luko Rama is in even the, the top six of scorers. Aaron Gagnon, way down at number seven. Number one and two, of course, the powerful duo from JYP Yiska Villa. Yanni Turpirinen and Eric Perrin. Uh, oh wait, no, I'm I'm wrong. Vili Valhalati from Luka Rama is number three. See, I always sleep on Vili Valhalati, and uh, and I really shouldn't. Um, but yeah, it's uh you know the JYP Yasviaskila is uh, number one and two among scorers, but way down number six in uh, club standings. you got to work as a team, people. That's the lesson of Luko Rama and JYP Giaskiovila. Funny thing, trivia fact, all those pronunciations in Finnish I did were absolutely perfect. You could look it up. Please don't. You can find back uh, archives, episodes of Home Dunk at infiniteguest.org and therein you can find many, many other podcasts uh, that are quite wonderful and quite diverse. Uh, you can load up and get smart and informed and entertained and intrigued. That's all at infiniteguest.org. We get uh, production help from Corey Schreppel and all the folks at Minnesota Public Radio and American Public Media. Our producer is Nina Patak, and Steve Nelson and Peter Clowney are also doing things production-wise behind the scenes that I don't fully understand. I'm John Moe. Bye now. Bye now.